0: I'm Bonnie Lin, Director of the China Power Project and Senior Fellow for Asian Security at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power Podcast, we're unpacking China's export of fentanyl and fentanyl-related substances and its enforcement of fentanyl-related regulations. What are the implications for the United States, and how have China and the United States interacted to tackle this problem? Here to discuss this and more is Dr. Vonda Philbot-Brown, a senior fellow at the Strobe-Talbot Center for Security, Strategy, Technology and the Foreign Policy Program at Brookings. She is the director of the Initiative on Non-State Armed Actors and acted as senior advisor to the congressionally mandated Afghanistan Peace Process Study Group. Dr. Philbot-Brown is an expert on international and internal conflicts and non-traditional security threats, including insurgency, organized crime, urban violence, and illicit economies. Thanks so much for joining us today, Vonda. You know, in the past couple of years, there's been a notable increase in drug overdose deaths, many of which attributed to fentanyl and its analogs. The fentanyl problem has gained significant attention in the United States and has become a public health crisis. I'd like to begin by identifying the scope of the problem that the United States is facing before diving into China's role into the crisis. Maybe, Wanda, if you could, what is fentanyl and how is it different from other drugs?
1: Sure. Um, Bonnie, just let me start by giving your listeners a sense of what is happening in the United States with opioids and fentanyl. And in fact, what is happening in North America. So in North America, not just in the US, but also including Canada and Mexico, we are experiencing the most lethal drug epidemic ever in human history. More people have died as a result of drug overdose during the latest phase of the opioid epidemic that involves fentanyl than ever in human history. It's an astounding thing to say. And the crisis is not just confined to the United States. Places like Canada have the same enormous devastation that the United States is facing, and the problem is intensifying in Mexico. Nor is fentanyl and the dangers that it entails regarding overdose and regarding substance use disorder, which in popular parlance is called addiction, going to stay confined to North America. The world is experiencing a synthetic drugs revolution that is sweeping global markets. In East Asia, in China, in Southeast Asian countries, it predominantly centers on methamphetamine. But in time, fentanyl will come there. I can explain later in our conversation why it's not going to stay content to just North America. But let me first explain how it happened in North America. In the late 1990s, the United States started developing an unprecedented addiction problems with opioids. And this was because major U.S. pharmaceutical companies systematically deceived U.S. doctors, medical boards, regulatory agencies, and patients by claiming that opioids such as oxycodone meant for treating pain, an absolutely necessary, vital, and important aspect of medicine, were not addictive, that they would not cause substance use disorder. This was a lie. Treating palliative, treating pain problems, delivering palliative care is crucial in medication. But the claim that these substances were not addictive, that they were not harmful if prolonged use took place, and prolonged use is really 10 or 14 days, was a lie. And so that set off the biggest US epidemic in drugs A legal market caused levels of addiction that an illegal market could never cause. But although substance use disorder started emerging, it wasn't so lethal. The lethal dimension took place only starting in 2013 and has been intensifying in the United States every year and in Canada every year since then, when Chinese traders started supplying into the U.S. market a synthetic opioid called fentanyl. Fentanyl and its many other analogues are many times more potent than heroin. Fentanyl, for example, is about 50 times more potent than heroin. That is enormously attractive for traffickers because very small amounts are sufficient to supply vast markets for substance use disorder. Very small amounts are sufficient to supply a city's use. So all of a sudden, the amount of product that needs to be manufactured, which, by the way, is very easy with synthetic opioids, that needs to be trafficked, that needs to evade law enforcement, is much smaller. Now, at the beginning, the Chinese traders didn't need to evade law enforcement in China because China had no regulatory law enforcement approaches in place. But the fact that smuggling fentanyl and synthetic opioids is so easy also means that overdosing becomes very easy. Very small amounts can cause overdose, especially when users do not know what mixture of drugs they're buying. So fentanyl started sweeping U.S. drug markets. Eventually, around 2015, the Mexican drug trafficking groups got into the distribution of fentanyl. And just amplified the problem. So today in the United States, we are facing lethal overdose rates that have caused the deaths of 110,000 Americans just this past year. The vast majority of them are linked to fentanyl. And fentanyl is not consumed just on its own. It's mixed into all opioid substances like heroin, but it's also increasingly mixed by traffickers into everything else, such as cocaine and methamphetamine. Thank you
0: very much for this excellent overlay of the overall drug problem that the United States, Mexico, and North America faces, but also where fentanyl fits in and how lethal it is. So how is the United States dealing with the problem, particularly China's
1: role in the supply of fentanyl? Yeah, so, you know, multiple issues going on. Let me start by focusing on the supply. As I mentioned, when fentanyl first started emerging in the United States in 2013, it was essentially directly shipped by Chinese producers and traders by post, sometimes to dealers, sometimes directly to customers. By about 2015, the Mexican drug cartels get into it. And since the Obama administration There have been intense efforts by successive U.S. governments to engage China on tighter regulatory and law enforcement control. So at first, in 2013, 2014, 2015, etc., the government of China did not really regulate fentanyl-type drugs, or what is technically called scheduling. To schedule a drug means to essentially recognize its harmful effects. There are different types of schedules, Some drugs can be altogether banned, like heroin is a banned drug. Others can be recognized to have legitimate uses, of which fentanyl has many legitimate uses in medicine. For example, during COVID, any type of patient who went on a ventilator would be given fentanyl to ease the pain discomfort and to accept to have the breathing tube in his or her system. Fentanyl is also crucial in surgeries. You really don't want to have a surgery without having fentanyl. So fentanyl has legal uses in medicine, very important ones. But because it was also supplying, has been supplying the illegal market, it has been scheduled. Now, the US governments, in plural, from the Obama administration, Trump administration, Biden administration, have been trying to engage China to tighten the regulation. And the big breakthrough really came in 2018 when China scheduled the entire class of fentanyl-type drugs. Why was it a big breakthrough? Because in synthetic drugs, not only is the ease of development and smuggling very easy, just altering one chemical component of the molecule, just one aspect of the molecule, will make the drug look different. So up till now, really, Drugs have been scheduled internationally by their specific chemical signature. And that was feasible for drugs like cocaine and heroin, plant-based drugs. But in synthetic drugs, it made it incredibly easy for traffickers and illegal producers to simply alter one small component of the molecule. The molecule now would look different and would no longer be scheduled. So the fact that in 2018, China agreed to schedule the entire class of drugs of fentanyl drugs was a big breakthrough. And what happened then is that the Chinese producers started shipping what are called precursors to Mexican cartels. So instead of Chinese producers making fentanyl and shipping it to the United States in a finished form, they would be sending the precursor chemicals to Mexican cartels who then make fentanyl, synthesized fentanyl from those precursor chemicals in Mexico. And bring it to the United States. So the U.S. government has been trying to intensely engage both the governments of China and the governments of Mexico to take further regulatory and law enforcement action. It's been a big struggle since really 2020. Even earlier, we have essentially a collapse of cooperation with both countries. China has withdrawn from any meaningful collaboration with the United States and so has Mexico for different reasons even as the fentanyl crisis in North America, again, is reaching these very devastating proportions. And I'm sure that we'll talk more during the conversation about the supply measures and what's going on in the U.S.-China-Mexico relationship.
0: You mentioned that China started shipping precursor chemicals to Mexico. Could you describe a bit of what are these precursor chemicals? And are precursors regulated the same way? as the actual finished product?
1: Mm -hmm. It's not China, as in China standing for the government of China. This is traders, traffickers, companies in China. There are two types of precursors. So precursor, as the name suggests, is something that is before the finished drug. And there are two types of precursors. Some precursors are only specific to an illicit drug, from which you will make heroin, cocaine, or in this case, fentanyl. Globally, there are three chemicals that have been scheduled and as specific precursors to fentanyl, and China has joined in scheduling those three chemical precursors. However, as has happened in other cases with other synthetic drugs, such as methamphetamine, traffickers, traders, and chemists in the illegal drug market have been able to evolve around it. China, incidentally, is also the predominant supplier of synthetic precursors for methamphetamine. While the United States and North America are experiencing the fentanyl epidemic, Southeast Asia is going through a massive methamphetamine epidemic, with places like Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand experiencing within the scope of three, four, five years, six-fold, eight-fold increases in meth use. And meth use is immediately less lethal than fentanyl. It doesn't cause the same level of lethal overdose, but it's a very bad addiction. It has tremendous morbidity effects, a very difficult addiction to break, no harm reduction replacement drug strategies really available, and very bad health effects. So in both cases, both for meth and for fentanyl, China is the source of precursor chemicals from which traffickers make the finished drug. And in both cases, traffickers have evolved to be able to make the finished fentanyl, finished methamphetamine, from chemicals that are very basic and that are not scheduled. In fact, these chemicals have such wide use in legal medicine and pharmaceutical sectors, in basic agriculture, in basic industry, chemical industry, just in everyday use, there is very little prospect they would ever be scheduled. There will be tremendous commercial opposition to scheduling these drugs because they are so much part of our everyday existence. And unfortunately, traffickers now know how to cook very potent methamphetamine and fentanyl from those basic chemicals, which then plays into the policy regulation and law enforcement exchange. So I mentioned that in about 2020, China really withdrew from even the very small, modest level of cooperation that had been with the United States before, and that evisceration of the cooperation continued throughout 2021 and became fully announced by China after then Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Thailand. At the time, China declared that there is no more cooperation with the United States in any domain of law enforcement, be it wildlife trafficking or counter-narcotics. But even when China was willing to cooperate to some extent, it would often say both to the US as well as to Mexico, look, we cannot do anything about stopping the flow of these chemicals out of China because they are not scheduled. So we cannot take any kind of law enforcement or regulatory action that is, however, not it true. China itself has a substantial problem with methamphetamine use. It doesn't disclose how big it is, but it's been the drug use of the biggest growth in China for several years. It's a very substantial problem for China, and it's supplied by Chinese triads that cook it in Myanmar. They use various Myanmar ethnic insurgent groups, like the United Wa State Army in the Shan State, to make methamphetamine from precursors they will bring from China and then the Chinese triads distributed across Asia-Pacific. So when China had an interest in trying to reduce its own MEF use, it would approach the factories that produce the precursors for MEF in China and essentially tell the executives that even though these chemicals are not scheduled, China would really crack down and they would have to inform if they have a sense that the basic chemicals are being diverted for illegal uses. And China could take similar measures with respect to fentanyl. So in June of this year, the United States, for the first time, indicted a set of Chinese companies and individuals on supplying non-scheduled precursors to Mexican cartels. And the U.S. Department of Justice indictments were based on the fact that even though the Specific chemicals supplied were not scheduled. The traders very knowingly were sending them to a criminal group with explicit instructions of how to make them into finished fentanyl. And so the Chinese traders were selling legal drugs, but they were selling them knowingly to criminal entities with explicit instructions how you make them into illicit drugs. And China then reacted to this scheduling in the typical fashion uh, that it has been responding over the past year and a half to the United States, uh, essentially dismissing the indictment, saying that they were made in ill faith, that they were not genuine, that in fact the United States was trying to hamper market access to Chinese companies.
0: You mentioned that the Chinese government could, if they wanted, to put pressure on Chinese companies to impact the flow of drugs. Are you seeing any signs that China is relaxing measures against Chinese companies that could be sending precursor chemicals abroad? The example you just mentioned suggested that China perhaps is not taking U.S. concerns or complaint into account as much. But are you seeing any evidence that China may be relaxing the restrictions or pressures on these Chinese drug companies or networks?
1: Well, China took a set of law enforcement and regulatory actions in 2018 and 2019, when it thought that by taking those actions, it would get quick worries out of the Trump administration. So I mentioned already that in 2018, China announced it would schedule the entire class of fentanyl type drugs. That was a big decision by China because it required changing domestic Chinese laws. There are only very few countries in the world that schedule drugs by class. And during that same period, when China hoped that its counter narcotics cooperation would reduce the economic trade tariffs that the Trump administration imposed on China, China also followed up on U.S. intelligence that the United States gathered and provided on Chinese drug trafficking networks and arrested several individuals and ultimately tried them in Hubei. China was also at the time willing to contemplate The increase of the number of offices of the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, a principal body in the United States that tackles drug trafficking to various parts of China. But China expected that if it cooperates with the United States in these concrete steps, it would get concrete payoffs from the Trump administration, reduction of the tariffs. That didn't really happen. And so China waited into the Biden administration. And still continue measures uh, such as shutting down some of the internet websites that were very obviously selling fentanyl or fentanyl precursors either directly to the United States and more and more to Mexican criminal groups. China put in uh, more uh, inspections in the postal services, some also in ports, in, in inspecting cargo, but mostly in postal services. And again, expected that the Biden administration would pay China back in concrete steps. Now, the Biden administration came in with the view of intense strategic competition with China, particularly in Asia Pacific, but really globally. And the Biden administration's phrasing has essentially been, we will have this strategic relationship of rivalry of competition, but we will set that relation, the competition aside for specific issue areas where we want to cooperate and where we think China also wants to cooperate. And climate and counter-narcotics issues were kind of the two primary aspects of cooperation where the Biden administration wanted to focus on. But China rejected this basic premise of putting aside a geostrategic competition and selecting issues where we can cooperate. Instead, it subordinates cooperation in law enforcement issues and drug policy issues though, to the overall geostrategic relationship. So when it did not get out of the Biden administration any improvement, any warming in the relationship, and in fact, the relationship continued sliding to the greater levels of tensions that we have seen uh, in decades, China also withdrew from the counter-narcotics cooperation. So China really hasn't been taking any steps toward effective dismantling, prosecution of the networks, that sell fentanyl precursors or fentanyl abroad, such as to Mexican criminal groups. Moreover, Chinese money launderers and Chinese money exchange systems have grown globally into major money laundering operations. In Latin America, particularly with the Mexican cartels, they are even displacing a big established money laundering systems like the black peso market. But Chinese money laundering operations are also really taking off in Europe where they're laundering money for Irish and Italian criminal groups, as well as are very large in Australia. And China has also not been really taking meaningful steps to shut them down. When the conversation between China and the United States on drugs comes up, China takes the following posture. It essentially says that China does not have any fentanyl and opioid use problem. It's not true. China has heroin problems, quite large ones. Again, the data is very government manufactured, tends to understate the problem. There is no independent verification and little visibility into China, but we do know that China has substantial heroin use problems and has this even more dangerous and growing methamphetamine use problems. But China will publicly say we don't have any fentanyl problem. The fentanyl problem is of America's making. It points out to U.S. pharmaceutical companies in the 1990s with justification. And it also blames fentanyl use on the decadence of the U.S. society. It often mixes together freedoms and civil liberties in the United States with decadence and drug abuse. It blames the culture and political system in the U.S. for U.S. drug use and say that China has no role, is in no way part, does not acknowledge the vast supply of precursors and finished synthetic drugs out of China. And it does take that same approach to countries in Southeast Asia that are suffering the problems of Chinese triad supplying methamphetamine. So when countries like Thailand and Vietnam and Indonesia and the Philippines try to engage China on the big flow of meth out of China and through Chinese criminal groups, China will say, it's not our problem. But if has to deny that the issue is there and that it has anything to do with China.
0: In terms of China denying that they have any domestic drug problems or problems at home in China, how can China separate what's happening internationally versus what's happening at home? If China, for example, isn't blocking companies from selling precursors abroad and are not dismantling these networks internally in China, how can they be sure that these same networks aren't also selling to China and impacting the Chinese population?
1: Yeah, well absolutely they cannot. And you know China does have significant drug use problems when you kind of look back you know 10 years ago, when I would be going to China at the time, and and even, I would say, as far back as 2015-2016, there was much more willingness and recognition by Chinese scholars, and to some extent, even government officials, to recognize and be concerned about drug use problems in China. And at the time, China, for example, was focused on the opium poppy production in Afghanistan, and Chinese government officials as well as scholars and drug policy experts, would speak about the significant heroin problem in China, and what should do about it. And for a while, there was even contemplation of relaxing and changing some of the domestic drug policies in China. China has highly restrictive policies toward drugs. Not only can drug traffickers be sentenced to death in China, China executes more people on various criminal charges per year than any other country in the world. And many of them are executed on drug trafficking charges. But the system of support for drug treatment, let alone harm reduction, is very minimal. But, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, there were kind of inklings and beginnings of opening an interest in China as to whether policies should evolve in a different direction and abandon the denial punitive approach. The window has really shut on this innovation and it has also shut on exchanges with experts and scholars abroad and particularly with the West and with the United States. But China has a significant math problem and it's interesting how it developed, which is 15 years ago there was significant production of methamphetamine in southern China. And the methamphetamine would be supplied principally to Australia and New Zealand, some of the most profitable drug markets in the world. But inevitably, Chinese traders did what Chinese traffickers did, what they do anywhere in the world. They would start developing local markets along the transit route, which is one of the causes of why we see this big explosion of meth used in Southeast Asia, but also domestically in China. Eventually, as a result of collaboration with Australia and under pressure from Australia, China in 2012, 2013 dismantled these massive methamphetamine production sites. Sometimes entire towns, villages in southern China were just devoted to producing methamphetamine. Uh, Thousands, potentially tens of thousands of people in these localities producing methamphetamine. So China shut them down but never dismantled the trafficking networks, the triads, which set up operations then in Myanmar, in places like the Shan State, and would bring supply production from Chinese chemical companies of the precursors to the producers in Shan, like the United States Army, and then would uh, take the trafficking of the finished product of the finished meth across the Asia-Pacific region. But alongside with that, significant meth use took off in China and has been growing and China has really never been able to put it out. So it's very possible that within a matter of time, China will also start experiencing synthetic opioid problems. And this is a good connection, body to my statement at the beginning of our conversation, that the fentanyl epidemic is not going to stay confined to North America. There are always lags in markets. For example, the United States started experiencing big cocaine and crack cocaine epidemic in the 1980s, and it was a decade, decade and a half later before cocaine made its way into Western Europe. Not because there was a lack of cocaine. Latin American criminal groups could easily produce enough cocaine to supply it to Western Europe, but they essentially did not bother to do it because Europe had a very large established heroin market. But at some point, they started innovating, brought cocaine in Europe, and cocaine consumption in Europe today is at least as large, if not larger, as in the United States. And in fact, the cocaine market in the U.S. is only kept alive because of the presence in fentanyl, but this is still robustly growing in Western Europe. It's also starting to inch its way up in Asia, including China, but it's still quite small. So in a matter of time, the patterns that we see with drugs is that legs, yes, there are legs by which particular drugs enter different regions of the world, but the drugs eventually make their way there. And synthetic drugs are just enormously advantageous for criminal groups. You don't need to control territory. In order to produce cocaine or heroin, you need to control physical territory, sometimes hundreds of thousands of hectares on which the plants, coca, or opium poppy, are grown. With synthetic drugs, you just need a few left in houses hidden in cities. You don't need to consequently deal with the same level of violence and corruption that you need to do with plant-based drugs. The amount of product that one needs to smuggle in synthetic drugs is much smaller. That makes evading law enforcement much easier from the moment of production all the way to retail. And particularly with synthetic opioids, because of their enormous potency, the amounts of the drugs are far smaller than with any other drug. So it's the ideal market, it's the ideal drug to supply to the illegal market. So nowhere in the world, including not in the United States, were users at the beginning actively looking for fentanyl. They were looking to buy oxycodone, ended up buying a fake drug that had a mixture of something, maybe oxy, and a significant amount of fentanyl. And because of the convenience that synthetic drugs pose, they are spreading like wildfires through global drug markets. Methamphetamine is sweeping Western Europe, is sweeping Asia, is making its way into Africa. The United States has long had a big meth problem, and fentanyl will similarly spread out of North America.
0: Wanda, what you're saying is even though China claims it's not a huge problem right now, you believe that fentanyl, as well as other synthetic drugs, could become much more dominant globally as well as in China. Which goes back to an earlier point we were discussing of, isn't it actually in China's interest to crack down on these networks before the drugs start proliferating back to China?
1: Well, it should be in China's interest, absolutely, because of this risk, and it's not just risk in terms of meth. Meth is a synthetic drug, and China already has big and growing methamphetamine problem. But the reason China does not like to crack down on the Chinese criminal networks is more complex than simply the fact that China does not see or claim that it doesn't have these problems. Many of the trafficking networks, particularly methamphetamine, are Chinese triads and they serve a variety of interests and purposes of the Chinese government and Chinese Communist Party. They are part of an informal system of monitoring and crackdown on diaspora. So there has been a lot of coverage and exposure in recent months of Chinese informal police stations, which are part of the way the Chinese government monitors and coerces diaspora members. But apart in preceding those informal police stations, China has long used Chinese criminal groups, criminal networks, like the triads for similar purposes across Africa, across Europe, in the United States, in Latin America. Chinese triads often engage in promotion of general businesses. They are often systems of corruption of local government officials in places like Africa or Latin America. As well as in Asia, Southeast Asia, the triads are often deeply intertwined in legal as well as illegal businesses. They oil the systems of network, they develop the political capital, the social capital for Chinese legal businesses to come in. So they serve a variety of objectives of the Chinese government and Chinese Communist Party. I don't want to imply that there is a direct command relationship between the government and the triads. They also come in conflict with each other, particular triad bosses and sometimes larger segments of the Chinese criminal networks fall out of favor with particular Chinese embassy officials or, or, or embassies. They cross interests of the Chinese government. But China essentially only cracks down on them specifically when they come to the interests of the Chinese government. Or if it does crack down on them, like when it shut down the vast meth production centers in southern China, it did so in a way that arrested local bosses, but left many of the larger bosses of the, of the networks, of the criminal networks, of the triads intact, and essentially allowed them to relocate their operations out of China. So the reason China doesn't crack down really meaningfully on dismantling the networks overall is both because it claims it doesn't have those problems at home, but also because they serve the interests of the Chinese government.
0: Fonda, this is absolutely fascinating. I feel like we could discuss this for much longer. But in the interest of time, I do want to wrap up by asking you what you think the United States should do, given that we're facing this crisis at home given all the reasons that you outlined, how China isn't willing to cooperate or work with us. As you know, Secretary Blinken recently proposed setting up a working group to restart talks. And there are also initiatives and efforts taken by Congress to argue that the United States should pressure China more on fentanyl. What exactly can the United States do and what can we expect of China, given what you mentioned in terms of the overall U.S.-China relationship as one of strategic competition?
1: So, unfortunately, I think that there are limited prospects that we would get robust cooperation in the context of the strategic competition. And there is really no prospect that the Biden administration would abandon the basic framework or, frankly, that another administration, if it was a Republican administration that would come to office after the 2024 elections, would radically change approach. I think that it's worth trying to induce cooperation as much as possible, even with limited steps. So certainly continuing with indictments like against the Chinese companies, individuals and money launderers that we have seen is highly productive. I think the United States needs to be engaging other partners in shutting down some of these networks. There are many opportunities for collaboration with Australia, New Zealand, some of which are well underway with Western Europe. Western Europe is only, and Europe more broadly, is really only now becoming for the first time exposed to the presence of Chinese criminal groups, like, for example, the role of Chinese money laundering networks is now intersecting with Italian mafia groups. It's intersecting with Irish, British, Dutch and other criminal groups. That's a big new phenomenon. And for the first time, Europe is now contending with these dimensions of Chinese criminality. So many uh, possibilities for cooperating there. The Biden administration has recently launched a new global initiative it's a global coalition to deal with the threat of synthetic drugs. China was invited to participate but refused. But some 80 countries joined the first virtual summit in July of 2023. And there is expectation that this will develop further. And I expect that China will not continue abstaining. China is very active in international drug diplomacy. It's very active in major drug bodies, such as the International Narcotics Control Board and the UN Office on Drugs and Crimes. It has developed a lot of political influence there, tends to frequently dominate some of the meetings and decision-making of these entities. So I expect that China will not just continue staying out of this new forum on synthetic drugs. But even more importantly, in my view, than this Global Forum or within the work of the forum, there are real opportunities to engage specific countries in Southeast Asia that are enormously frustrated with China because of meth. I mentioned countries like Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, Philippines, Indonesia are experiencing these madly intense growths of methamphetamine use and are really struggling and behind in being able to deal with it. And they're frustrated because the meth is brought by Chinese criminal networks and because the precursors are coming out of China. So there are opportunities to engage them in this smaller subset of countries and deal jointly with the need to dismantle these networks, the production systems, jointly for fentanyl and meth. More radically, the United States could take other measures, such as, for example, through legislative action demand, that only companies, that chemical companies, pharmaceutical companies from China that meet the best practices globally on preventing diversion of chemicals to the illicit drug markets have access uh, to the US market. So, if uh, you know, certain procedures, monitoring, inspections are in place, then those companies can sell drugs to the US market. If not, access is denied. That would be a big change. Significant legislative action in the United States would be required for a significant policy change like that. But there are also a lot that we can and need and must do on the U.S. side. One is continue with expanded access to effective treatment as well as expanded access to effective harm reduction approaches. But there is also a lot that we must do on the supply side. Although we speak about the whole-of-government approach, on the U.S. side, there is still a tremendous amount of stovepiping in criminal investigations, in intelligence sharing. There are still real narrow lines in which different U.S. departments can gather intelligence. Chinese ships are, for example, significantly mm-hmm. involved in illegal fishing. than the biggest perpetrators of illegal fishing around the world. And increasingly, these ships also appear to be carrying drugs not just fentanyl and precursors, but also cocaine heading to China. Yet our different departments often cannot gather intelligence on these ships, even though they might well be not just fishing illegally, but also participating in the illegal drug trade and perhaps carrying spy equipment. So we need to break down a lot of stovepiping on our side and increase the use of joint task forces in the United States that have representatives from the various U.S. law enforcement agencies, but also the Defense Department and State Department. These joint task forces that have different names and different varieties are really the most potent law enforcement tools, not just in the United States, but anywhere in the world. The capacity to build a picture of a network and still bringing networks down is really tremendous. And we need more of them, more comprehensive approach to them. I also want to mention the fact that we have been talking about the drug trade, but I just introduced illegal fishing. In fact, what we are seeing with China is that many of the networks that originate in China, but also the networks with which Chinese traders deal with, are not just focused on drugs they are really pro-crime networks that's certainly true about the mexican cartels but it's true about a wider set of actors so you will have chinese criminal networks bringing in precursors to the mexican cartels and then buying from them marine or terrestrial wildlife products that have been poached or timber that has been illegally cut you will have connections between chinese companies illegally logging in the amazon and other illegal or legal economies. So the networks are highly varied. They often have one foot in legal economies, one foot in illegal ones, in very many different illegal economies. And so we need to get out of our mindset to think of stopping drugs as catching the illegal drugs and rather dismantling these polycrime criminal networks that, in the case of China, are sometimes also linked to the Chinese government.
0: Lana, this has been a really comprehensive and wide ranging discussion on what we should be doing to address the drug problem originating from China. And as you mentioned, the polycrime networks and implications it has for the United States and elsewhere. Thank you again for joining us today. I really appreciate the discussion.
1: Thank you for having me on the show, Bonnie.